Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team is 7-0 and after a resounding win over Northwestern. We break down the game and look ahead to the top 10 undefeated showdown with Michigan State on this episode of Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to talk to you here on a, on a Sunday night. I won't waste time. I'll get right into it with kind of a general question. Like, what, you know, what did you think of Michigan's win over Northwestern? What stood out? I mean, I think we expected them to win in probably in that fashion. The decisiveness probably took a little bit longer than we maybe some of us thought. I thought they were rather inefficient in the first half. They're productive. They moved the football. They couldn't punch it in. I think they got one TD in those three trips inside the red zone. And a lot of empty calories. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. A lot of empty calories. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, you know, second half, it, it was almost like a, not like a, replay of 2018 but like Northwestern was competitive in that first half and then Michigan turned it on the second half and just blew them out blew the brakes off them so I mean Michigan was a better team I think both sides of the ball you, you could tell maybe they were coming off a bye in that first that first half they were just a little rusty maybe but you know in the end I think the best team won oh yeah most definitely I mean Northwestern's offense just isn't very good and I, I thought for the most part Michigan's defense uh, did a good job. Only a couple big plays against them, but outside of those, that uh, first play of the game, 29-yard completion and that 75-yard touchdown run, I mean, I thought Michigan's defense did a, a really good job, both in run and, and pass defense. Breakout game from uh, DJ Turner, which was kind of surprising. I mean, he played more snaps than he has all season, showed out pretty well. And offensively, the, it was the run game that carried the load once again. And the questions persist about Michigan's passing game now heading into the, the meat of their schedule. Yes, that is true. We'll definitely get to that. But, you, you know, you noted Michigan's defense, and I, 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 do, I do think it was excellent. I mean, it really was just a, a couple of big plays they, they allowed. I mean, and as far as drives, it was really just just the two. You know, one did come up empty with for Northwestern with a with a makeable field goal. But other than that, I mean, just a lot of. A lot of three and outs, uh, you know, a four, couple four and outs in there, or at least one, I guess, you know, with the with the fumble there. But yeah, and you know, got got some turnover. So very very strong defense. But yeah, the the offense. I guess what what did you think of like of Cade McNamara? Because it was it was very interesting. If you just look at the box score, it's not definitive. Twenty of twenty seven, one hundred twenty nine yards. Like there's some good there, there's some bad there. No touchdowns, but didn't turn it over again. I don't know. And I think you do have to look at it as a, a, a dual thing, like just Michigan's quarterback play, because they do play two guys. You know, McCarthy didn't get a ton of snaps, but, you know, he was he was effective in the run game. So I guess just like Michigan's quarterbacks in general, what, what did you see from him? Well, he was he was efficient in the short and intermediate passing game. You know, he missed on those those deep throws. And if you look at the box where he, he didn't complete a pass of, of more than 16 yards. So I think part of that is the, the play calling. Part of it is, you know, he overthrew a couple of those deep balls. And that's the knock against Cade, and it has been and probably will be for a while until he shows that he can hit that on a consistent basis. You know, and that goes into the interesting aspect of their passing game. You know, they haven't, and they're seven games into this year, and Michigan really hasn't shown a knack for, you know, being able to complete that deep, explosive ball on a, on a regular basis. And that's the knock against them and probably will continue to be. Um, but, I mean, you know, he was fine. I guess what he was asked to do, I mean, he was, again, he didn't turn the ball over. 
you know, he completed a lot of those short intermediate throws. You know, I went back and looked at it this morning and the longest passing play was the Mike Sanders. So for 18 yards, that was from DJ McCarthy. Uh, so, you know, I think that only just adds fuel to the fire of maybe, you know, people wanting to see JJ more. Um, JJ was fine. You know, he, he only threw five balls, completed three of them. He was more dangerous, obviously with his legs. And that's something we've, we've talked about, you know, the past few weeks of him just get, giving Michigan an added dimension in the run game, because when he comes in the game, teams have to game plan, not only for his legs, but, but his arm as well. So. That's a good point. That's what I was trying to bring up too. Andrew asked what we thought of Michigan's offense with with Kate in there. And I think it's a pretty vanilla offense when when he's behind center because defenses don't have to account for his legs really at all. I think uh, he had that one scramble and I think Aaron made a time in the press. Like, oh, that might be his longest run of his career. And I think it was like, what, seven, eight yards. So, I mean, it's he's definitely not a threat with his legs and I don't think that they'll ever be a part of his game. So I know Michigan kind of worked in those jet sweeps and reverses a little bit and, and had some success doing that again this week. But again, when, when he's in there, they're, they're not going to be razzling and dazzling out there too much. I think JJ ha- has some of that element, but again, he is the, the an experienced one. So I think that this quarterback debate is going to continue whether Michigan continues to win or lose. So that's why we're here and we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But yeah, overall, not bad. I think for a few weeks now, some of us have been kind of waiting for quote unquote, the Michigan offense to like take the handcuffs off of Cade, just to throw the ball more down the field. And I don't know if he can do that. And I think that's been part of the thing about him just not throwing the ball a ton. You saw those deep throws on Saturday. They were short on a couple times, you know, he, he overthrew one guy. And I think that's part of the reason why you just haven't seen Michigan make a impetus in, in doing that this year. They can probably do a little bit more JJ. They probably look at it like that. But again, he hasn't had a ton of experience or game reps to show that he can. So Michigan's passing game at this point, you know, whether you like it or not, is basically resonated to the short intermediate game. And if they can be efficient and move the football and use that to supplement the running game, I think they're successful. But if if, if they run into a team that, that can defend that stuff and, and keep them in check, they're going to have trouble. And that's why I'm really curious to see how this game Saturday against Michigan State goes. I know we've talked about this before too, but I just have not been very impressed with, with Michigan's receivers. I mean, there's, I've looked at the, the box words I don't have in front of me, but it seems like every game like Cornelius Johnson or San Ristola or one of these receivers has like seven, eight targets and only like three or four catches. So it's like, I mean, I, that just also shows to me that they're just not really getting open downfield. So uh, Michigan's starting to utilize their tight end tight ends more. I was really impressed with Eric all this past game. And I think if this passing game is going to kind of advance to that next level and take that next step, I think the tight ends are going to continue to need to be used here. And I, I don't know how reliable they are. I know Eric all had a good game last game, but I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be counting on Luke Stoonmaker to, to be catching three, four balls every game, Carter Selzer and some of the other tight ends I have on the roster. But again, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I do think part of the blame, it should be on these, this receiving core because again, they weren't too impressive to me on Saturday. Cornelius Johnson, three catches, seven targets. Mike Sand was still four catches, seven targets. Uh, the tight ends are very good. Five, Eric all five of six. Luke Schoonmaker, two of three. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a note about that. I just, uh, I just think at this point, seven games in, like, who, who is that guy? We talked about it before the season a lot. Talked about it in the early season, especially after Ronnie Bell went down. We threw out candidates. There's been glimpses. But at this point, I just don't think they really have that guy. You know, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's coach, uh, he was nice. He, he in his, in his, 
complimenting of Michigan. He lumped in. They've got receivers that can take the top off. Do they? I mean, really, do they? I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just not sure that they really do. And I still think like Dalen Baldwin kind of could be that guy. But geez, you were rattling off the stats from this past game. You didn't mention him because he, he didn't have a single target, at least not in the box score, and not one that no. I can remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not remember. And, and he was out there. I mean, he, he got some snaps, but you know, it's just it's just not really happening. So I don't know. You you can say they're saving it for for Michigan State and and Penn State and Ohio State. You know, they're doing what they need to do to win. Maybe how often though do you really see that in in college football or you know really any sport where a team completely reinvents itself? past the halfway point of the season and starts showing something that it didn't show. I, th- I think they, they would have liked to, but it's just not there. According to pro football focus, Dale Baldwin was out there for 38 offensive plays, 18 pass plays, and yet zero targets. So <laughs> not what you want from, from who's supposedly your, your number two receiver right now. So um, definitely something to, to monitor moving forward. I think there's been this slow kind of expansion of the playbook. You know, I've noticed I've noted that in a couple of weeks. You know, they, they started, you know, the first few games running the football, didn't throw the ball a ton. You know, the, the couple of row games at Wisconsin, Nebraska, they they felt like they had to throw the ball and they, they started to and they, and they were a little bit more successful doing it. They throw JJ McCarthy in there to add the the two-dimensional running, you know, running game, you know, two-headed quarterback situation. So they've done things that slowly unravel things. But you're right, they haven't shown a consistent ability to throw it deep. I think some folks are waiting for it to happen. I don't know if it's going to, and I don't necessarily know if it's a quarterback situation or it's a receiver situation. It's probably a combination of both, but yeah, we haven't seen a receiver. And it's been all, like, it seems like every game there's been a different standout receiver. One game it's Dalen Baldwin, one game it's uh, Roman Wilson, one game it's Cornelius Johnson. They haven't had that reliable, and we've talked about this. They don't have that reliable number one. I don't know if they're going to get it by the end of the season, but the key for Michigan, I think, is just getting a couple of guys in rhythm and you know, making plays every game and, and otherwise they're going to be unsuccessful in the passing game. Yeah. I mean, passing plays of 20 plus yards, Michigan's got 17 of them to tie for ninth in the, in the big 10. I mean, Ohio state's got 41, uh, you know, Michigan <laughs> state's got 26 Penn state 26 as well. So yeah, I mean, I don't want to just ride the wave of in this game, it didn't happen. So that's just, they're not good at it. Cause you know, we were talking the last couple of games, like Aaron just mentioned, Nebraska and Wisconsin, playbook opened up and, and they had some of those plays. So I don't know. It, it's capable by like full sample size of, of seven games. It just hasn't really been there. I, I also wonder, I've got, you know, listener, listener of the pod who, who chimed in talking about uh, seeing JJ McCarthy, maybe more in, uh, you know, in red zone situations. You know, I wonder if they'll, they'll try to do that more. I mean, Michigan can run the ball with its running back. So it shouldn't be necessarily so difficult to score in the red zone. It's not like, some teams that have are only vertical passing threats. That's when they, they kind of struggle to, to score when they get closer. But he does add that other element that, you know, expands the field a little bit you know, sideways too. Yeah, it, it, it just comes down to do you trust him in the red zone when you, he has to make the throw, not force it and, and turn the ball over or have a disastrous play kind of going the other way too. So, I mean, we haven't seen anything where, all right, yeah, we shouldn't trust him in that situation. But again, he is a, he's a true freshman and, and typically, and he even said himself, he's like, yeah, I'll take some risk out there. I'll, I, I'm confident in my ability. So yeah, we, we haven't really seen it yet, but I guess we don't know unless Michigan tries and trots him out there. But yeah, I mean, at this point, like you said, Kate continues to, to avoid the turnovers and I mean, he took the one sack on Saturday, but again, that was a clear shot at him. I don't know how, how much more he could have done to avoid that. So they have a quarterback conundrum on their hands for sure. 
I'm really curious to see how Cade plays Saturday against Michigan State. You know, it's on the road. It's a rival. He team he tends to get juiced up for these these types of you know situations. I mean, like you said, he hasn't really turned the ball over. He hasn't really been a reason for them struggling offensively. But I, I'm really curious to see how he plays Saturday. If he comes out there and plays really well and, and quiets some folks, okay. But if he has another game like he did like Saturday where he's fine, but like can't complete the deep ball and Michigan's in trouble at some point. Because that's, that's the thing about this Michigan offense. I mean, they've only trailed twice the whole season and both of them were against Nebraska. Like they haven't really been punched in the mouth early in the game. And at some point it's going to happen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, and I'm really curious to see how they react, especially Cade in, in that type of situation. How about his comments after the game when asked about if he felt that he forced forced a few balls downfield? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I thought that, that response was fantastic. Yeah, and to be clear, he was kind of reacting to a comment. His coach, Jim Harbaugh, said you know, earlier that he felt like Michigan was kind of forcing the deep ball a little bit too much. And I don't know, you know, it's important to put things in context. I don't know if Jim was necessarily criticizing Cade more as he was maybe the play calling, play decision making. You know, that's probably something worth following up with this week. But yeah, Cade or Cade was very adamant about him feeling like he wasn't taking risks. He like he he, he thought he saw open one on one situations and he wanted to hit the deep ball. He obviously couldn't do it. So there were several highlight plays in this game. We can talk about as many as you guys want to. Uh, you know, Ryan wrote about it specifically, but there's just one I want to I want to mention, which is, you know, the Hassan Haskins run where he was part of the part of a giant pile. Initially, that was the first quarter. Yes. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yeah, you know, part of a huge pile. And then, you know, some linemen start pushing the pile, which we've seen before. Still always impressive and kind of fun to see the pile move like that. I can't say I've then seen a player then emerge from that pile to then get more on his own. I mean, it wasn't right. just the assistance of, of his teammates. He, he then he got some on his own afterwards, a 19-yard game and all of a sudden done. I remember watching that play live and I saw him get kind of get bottled up and I looked down at my computer and started to type something. And then I just hear like the, the crowd roar. I'm like, what? And then all of a sudden he's another 10 yards more down the field. I'm like, so I, and then I, when I was writing that story, I watched it probably like 10, 12 times. I'm like, yeah. just amazed every time. I'm like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Every time I watch that play, like you lose, tra- at least I lose track of him in the hut. I'm like, in the <laughs> pile, you can't see him. Like, I don't know where he's at. And then you all of a sudden you just see him kind of come out at the end of it. And, you know, that was probably another play where like, if I was an official, I probably would have blown it dead at some point, but to their credit, I mean, the pile kept moving and everything else. So, like, you know, it's hard to necessarily stop it. But it was it was a fun, interesting play. It was certainly, you know, highlight-worthy. Yeah, so I, I don't know. what is there is there anything else from, you know, Michigan Northwestern you specifically wanted to talk about before we hit on Michigan State briefly? Because we will be talking about them later this week. You know, we have writers that specifically cover the Spartans. Like, we're going to have this game covered from from a lot of different angles. So I don't want to get into it necessarily too much. I want to give this game its due. You guys mentioned the defense. Have you looked at the stats lately? Uh, yes, I have. I mean, total defense, it's very good. I mean, it's under... Michigan's up to 11th in the country. They're yep. giving up fewer than 300 yards per game. Yep. And then if you go to scoring defense... no, They're number one season. in the Big Ten, I know that. Yeah, and they're second in the country. Now, oh. some of that is obviously because they hold on to the football so long and yes. they still give their opponent the opportunity to have a ton of time possession and scoring. Uh, but Michigan's scoring defense is second in the country behind Georgia. They're only giving up 14.3 points per game. Georgia at number one is at 6.6 points per game. In the SEC, too, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So Michigan's defense, you know, we talked about last year and how poor it was and everything else. 
but these are like approaching Don Brown levels from, you know, rankings and statistic levels. Now they're doing it. They're going about it a little bit differently. The personnel hasn't changed much because remember, this is really the first full year with this new, new coordinator, new coaching staff. So they're still trying to get their feet underneath them and they're trying to recruit their type of players into this thing. But Michigan's defense is almost back to where it was pre, you know, 2019, 2019, you know, 2019 levels. I'm trying to remember at this point, has there been an instance this season where they had completely blown coverage on, on a pass play deep that they allowed a long touchdown through the air that was kind of over their heads? I, I'm not thinking of anything at this point. I can't either. There might be one. Right. But I guess your point, your point stands because it seems like it seemed like every year, every big game, there were a couple. Yeah. Michigan get burned on, it seemed like. So it, it's certainly less frequently than I think it was with, with Don Brown. Yeah, they've only given up four passing plays of 40 yards or more, you know, only seven of, of 30 yards or more, which is which is even even better if you look at it. But yeah, who I, you know, some of those might not have been directly, you know, getting beat down the field. Uh, so yeah, I'm not not really remembering any either. But yeah, you bring up the stats, Aaron. I mean, if you compare Michigan, Michigan State, like offensively through seven games here, you know, they're, they're pretty similar. Like, you know, Michigan is actually, a, you know, a tick ahead in, in as far as points per game, but a little bit behind in yards per game. Uh, you know, obviously Michigan doing it more on the ground, Michigan State in the air, you know, but defensively there, there is some separation there. You know, you mentioned where, where Michigan is and, and Michigan State's more, you know, kind of, you know, middle of the pack in, in the Big Ten. They've had some, some games. They almost they, gave they, up they 600 struggled. yards to Western Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, you noted <laughs> Michigan is under 300 yards. You know, Michigan State is, is over uh, 400 yards per game. You know, that's, that's second worst in the, in the Big Ten. Now, again, again, it's, it's based on your opponent and, you know, other factors, but, you know, if we're talking about Michigan's offense and what they can do, this would seem like an opportunity here to, you know, to move the ball a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They opened, I don't know, they opened uh, today in Las Vegas as four point favorites. It's now down to three and a half, but that's right around where I put it as, you know, neutral field Michigan be favored by about a touchdown, which when you bring up all the statistics, the statistics and the like that, that sounds about right. It should be a really good game. Like all signs point to a very competitive game. Again, both undefeated, both in the top 10, but just aside from that, kind of what you've, you've seen from the teams, I, I don't think either is a fluke. You know, it, it's hard to say whether either is like truly a national championship contender. I think they've shown they're not quite there yet, if anything. But, you know, there's these are two like really good teams, you know, that have been that are well coached. I mean, they, they clear at this point, Mel Tucker was, you know, the right hire, what he's done through a couple of years. So it should be really fun. There's still a lot to learn about this Michigan football team and Michigan State, you know, to their credit. And Saturday's going to, I think, it'd be that first piece of that. Uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot about Michigan. We're going to learn a lot about Michigan State and whether they are legitimate, you know, Big Ten title contenders. Um, because the schedule, I mean, really for both both teams is going to is going to heat up here down the stretch. This is a game that Michigan absolutely needs to win. They want to, you know, keep their dreams alive, I guess. And, and look, you know, both of these teams they tend to play close games, regardless of who's having a good year and who isn't. You know, Michigan's won the last two games at Spartan Stadium. As we all know, Michigan State won last year in Ann Arbor, and, and it was a huge upset. So uh, anything could really happen Saturday. Anything wouldn't shock me. You know, I'm having a hard time making a prediction. I'm going to probably have to sit on this for a couple of days. But either way, you know, I, I think it's going to be a close game either way. And it should be a lot of fun. We'll have plenty more coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines and MLive.com slash Spartans as well leading up to this game. Thank you for listening.